Good morning, Alders Gate. Welcome on this rainy morning. Good to see so many of you. Those tuning in online, hello, hello. Um, so we're going to get started with You Are My Vision. If you want please stand. How about that sunflower showdown last night? K-State? KU? Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Most of our congregation went to K-State. But if you want please stand. This is You Are My Vision. Please sing loud.
take it down now. I don't want riches or man's empty praise. be seated. We want to welcome you in the house of the Lord this morning. My name is Pastor Mitch Reese, along with Pastors Daniel Refner and Maria Penride. It's a gift to have you here this morning at Aldersgate, a place of warm hearts and active hands that are engaging in transformed lives. And whether you're gathering here on person or online, we are just glad you're with us. This morning, I just want to raise your attention to there's a black folder in your pew. We'd invite you just to take that, fill that out, pass it down the row, then pass it back. Um, And then in a few moments when we come to our greeting time, if you look around the room and you say, I don't know them, I would just invite you to go take a moment to introduce yourself and become better acquainted. A couple of announcements that we want to make for you this morning. First of all, that if you are bringing gifts for the college collection... I believe those can be taken to the Fellowship Hall. Is that correct? Yes. So Fellowship Hall is right down the hall, and you'll see, go through the kind of, there's a door frame there, and then it's right in that area there. So you can take those to that space. Also want to let you know that out in the foyer, we are still um, taking gifts for Ember Hope, uh, this for foster care kids that we're helping bless for Christmas. So if you would like to get an ornament, you can uh, take, Pick one of each item off of there. There's like um, very categories. Pick one thing out of each category and then bring those back by November 30th and those will go on to Ember Hope. Um, Also today, Charge Conference is at 4 o'clock. This is our annual business meeting where we elect um, new leaders for the upcoming year as well as approve budgets, um, talk about our goals. So that will be at Woodland if you would like to attend today at 4 o'clock. Um, Finally, if you need um, assisted hearing by any chance throughout our services, um, we encourage you to talk to our tech team. Um, They've got a new system that you can plug in your hearing system into your hearing aids. You can frequency in, is my understanding, and it will help you hear uh, the service clearer if that's something that we have serviced to you. So with all of that, um, I would just invite you to stand, greet one another with a handshake, hug, fist bump, whatever feels appropriate to you this morning. being right here with you this morning. So, as we finish kind of our our season of um, stewardship, um, in particular pledging, um, we just want to end with Come Thou Fount, I Will Sing. Um, if, you're, if you're not familiar with Here I Raise My Ebenezer, Hither by Thy Help I Come, like, if 
anyone doesn't know Ebenezer altar there's a little reference for you but this is come thou fountain I will sing next song that we're going to sing together is I Am Not Alone. The nights are getting darker, quicker. The weather's changing. Things are, you know, seasonal affective disorder. All those things. Maybe you have suffered from depression or illness or whatever. This song is just to remind you 
that when you walk through those deep waters, you know, God is always with you. I am not alone. 
friends, you may be seated. What a joy it is to sing one song together. It's beautiful for me to be in this first row. I can't see any of you, but I can hear you behind me, which is a good thing because you help me stay in tune. Um, It's a powerful thing when we lift our hearts and our voices together, and we're going to continue doing that as we move into a time of prayer. Uh, Here at the 930 service, we lift up the prayers of the people because we believe that it's important uh, that we're not only connecting to God, but we're connecting with one another, the needs of this community and the needs of the world. And so as I walk the aisles, if there is a name or a prayer that is on your heart today, I would encourage you to lift it up uh, so that we can all know for who and for what we are praying for today. As always, the common response to the prayers that we lift up will be, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And so as we prepare our hearts um, for prayer, I would encourage you to remember Pamela Hayes, Brian Edward, Terry Spells, and Lori Lowry. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For who and for what else are we praying for today? Paula. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For Harley, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For Matthew Marin, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For Rick Hornsby and Chris Davis, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Let us also pray for Evelyn McCormick and Cindy Spriggs and Willie Lickey. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For Judy Moore, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For Ryan Shaver, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For all of those who are waiting on test results and are navigating new diagnoses, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For Lori and Todd and Allison, Annie and Darcy, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And for Gabby, Nicole, Olivia, Pan and Carrie. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. You're writing them down for me. I love this. Thank you. For our daughter's pre-K para, who is getting a kidney transplant this week, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Yes. For all those who are traveling for Thanksgiving, that it would be stress-free and also safe. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Let us also pray for Sharon Kessler and Betty Trimmel. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Friends, let us go to God. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this day, and we give you thanks for this place where we can join our voices together in beautiful song towards you and unite our hearts in common prayer. So hear us, God. Hear our hearts, for we have nowhere nowhere else to lift them up except to you. We confess that we do not always see the abundance that you have given us. So open our eyes even this day to the people, to the time, to the talents, to the resources that you have given us and speak to us that we would know how you are calling us to respond as we begin to look towards a new year. God, we know that you watch over us, and so we lift up to you all of these names that we've spoken out loud. 
We lift up to you all of those names that we know only in the deepest places of our hearts, those prayers that are too deep even for words. When we do not know what to pray or how to pray, help us, inspire us, restore us once again that our hearts would genuinely be changed to love you more and to love this world that you have given us with a care and a commitment. So we pray for those places of your creation that experience violence. We pray for those places where people experience war. We pray for those in our very own community who have no place to rest their heads and for those who have no family, chosen or biological, to spend Thanksgiving with. Help us to see the ways in which you are inviting all of your people into this community called Aldersgate, not just the ones who look like us or think like us or live in the same neighborhoods as us, but give us a vision for going forward. We pray all of these things and so much more, trusting that you hear us when we unite together. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Today is Commitment Sunday, which is that day that comes every year at the end of our stewardship campaign where we have the opportunity to commit part of our resources to the work of God. Now, I don't know about you, but um, as the end of the year is quickly approaching, I am already beginning to think about 2024. I am making plans. I am changing my budget spreadsheet. Uh, I am beginning to figure out what the next year is going to look like. And part of that is my finances. And part of that is how I'm going to spend my time. So I want to encourage you to find in your bulletin this commitment card. Now, I know that many of you have already turned in your your pledge cards before today, but we have something special on the back of this pledge card. So if you find that card and turn it around, you see uh, we have an opportunity for you to put down how you are going to shepherd your time, your talents and your abilities, and your relationships in this coming year. Because here is the truth, God has given us such an abundance, both in resources, time, talents, relationships, all these good things. And for those whom much is given, much is required, Jesus says. And so what I want to encourage you to do is, as Mitch preaches today, uh, to take some time to keep that card in a place where you can see it. And I want to encourage you to write down one thing for every category Okay, even if you've already turned in your pledge card, you can do this too. How are you going to shepherd your time, your talents, and your relationships to help build God's love, both within your own life and within our community? I want to encourage you that even if it doesn't feel like a big commitment, it can be profound. I was at the 21st in Amadin at Dylan's last night because um, I was buying a big ham for the young adult friends giving tonight. And I was thinking about this commitment Sunday. And I remember as I was walking out of Dylan's with my big, you know, 20 pound ham in tow, I saw a man named James. And I've known James for about 10 years now because back when I was 18, I was his camp counselor at Camp Horizon. And when I moved back here to Wichita in 2020, I began to see James every week because he's a cashier clerk at the 21st and Amadon Dillon's. And every time I see him, I say hi, make sure he's keeping out of trouble, and I give him a fist bump. So that's what I did last night as I was taking my ham out, and it it struck me as I got to the car that I had missed an opportunity to shepherd the abundance that God has given me because this relationship that I have with this man, I could have invited him to the young adult Friendsgiving. I could have had an opportunity to reach out and invite somebody new into the family of God, but I missed it because I was too busy focusing about my ham and how I was going to cook it because I've never cooked a ham before. So, if you want to find me at about 1 o'clock today, I'm going to be back at the 21st in Amadon and Dillon's. 
because I'm going to go and see if I can find James, and I'm going to invite him to our dinner, which is tonight, because God has given me an abundance in that relationship with James, and I can do better at shepherding that abundance for the good of God's kingdom. It doesn't have to be big. It can be small, but I invite you to write it down, one thing for each category, and then at the end of the service, during the final song, you'll have an opportunity to bring that commitment card, whether there's a pledge on it or not, up to the basket as a sign of your commitment to God and to this church for 2024. So with that invitation, and now that you have ham on your minds, I invite the ushers to come forward and receive this morning's offering. Well, this morning, I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles or electronic device, you can go ahead and flip to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to be looking at that as we go through um, our message this morning. And as we prepare our hearts, I just invite you, if you just would take a moment, let's just bow and invite God's presence to speak to us. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, for your desire to minister into our hearts and lives. Lord, we don't come here just today to occupy space or to go through a moment. God, we do long for an encounter with you. Lord, you have blessed us and continue to bless us in such an amazing amount of ways. And God, we just so thank you even for the community that we're able to share and enjoy in this space. Pray now that you would just, Lord, speak to us by your word, draw us closer to you, and I pray that I would be out of the way and Jesus would be seen and what is said and done would bring you glory and honor. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been going through our sermon series of Shepherding Abundance, and today is our final message in that series. So we've looked at what is the source of our abundance, we've looked at growing a mindset of abundance, and today we're going to talk about what it looks like to living out our abundance. Um, Now, I want you to begin today by thinking about, when I say that word abundance, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to have an abundant life? I mean, does that mean you're happy? Does it mean we don't have struggle? Um, Does it mean that we have all the money we need or want? Um, Does it mean for us that maybe we have popularity or success in some way? What does abundance, if you really had full abundance, what does that look like for you? today. Now, I've spent some time pondering this and trying to think, what do I think is true abundance? And just let me offer to you what I've come up with. Um, I have come to believe that true abundance is when you know you're fully loved by God. 
I mean, today, when you're here, do you know that you are fully loved by God just as you are right now in this space without anything changing? Do you know that? I think fully abundance also is not only feeling fully loved by God, but also that my heart is full of love for God and for those around me. I mean, have you had those moments when you're just so, I don't know how many, I know some of you are probably left-brainers, so for you, the feeling thing, it's like, really, can we get off the feelings? But if you're right, being more of a right brain, you may feel more, but I don't know if you've had those moments where you just felt so full, I just got to love somebody, kind of feeling. I also think abundance is when we are living in step in our lives in such a way that I know I'm doing exactly what God wants me to be doing. When I'm in that space. And finally, I would suggest to us that full abundance is when we have confidence that God has got it, whatever I'm walking through. I don't know how. I don't know what's going to transition or what's going to transpire, but I really, in my heart, know God's got this and will work it out somehow. I would suggest to you that full abundance is when we live in that space and we know we're fully loved by God, when we are full of love to flow out from us to others and God, when we know we're exactly in step with where God's wanting us to be in the moment, and ultimately then, that we also know God's got whatever we're going through. Um, as part of my seminary uh, training, uh, um, when I was at Asbury, we had the opportunity um, t- to do one of our semesters um, overseas. And so I did my semester in Jerusalem, Israel. And um, so it was really pretty cool to, to be going to school right outside the old city wall and, and to be able to walk back all these things that Jesus was a part of throughout his life. And it, it was a great experience. But one of the individuals I met while I was there was a woman named Maleda. Now, we, she's dear to me because of not only my meeting with her, but also then we uh, made a variant of her name, Malaya, which is the name of our daughter, um, which means uh, a woman of vision. But Maleda um, lived in Bethlehem. She was Palestinian. And Maleda was a follower of Jesus, and she really felt... God had called her to reach out to the many kids and young persons she saw that were dealing with developmental challenges or were blind or had been affected by the conflict between the, oftentimes the Jewish military and the Palestinians where it might result in rock flowing and all these things where kids would get blinded. And, and so she would invite these kids and she created a school where they would come, they would learn, and they would learn a trade and she would tell them about the love of Jesus and, and to invite them into a relationship with Christ. And, and just a powerful woman. And she was probably in her late 70s, early 80s when I met her. And the thing about Malaya, she was blind herself. And yet she poured her heart out to these, and it, she was surrounded by persons that she was pouring love out to. She was a woman living out of abundance. Well, this morning, I think Paul, he shares with us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. I want to read this. It's kind of a long text, and I'll, I'll frame it up in a moment. But let me just read it for you as we think through this idea of abundance. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth um, at this time. And he says, in the midst of a very severe trial... The Macedonians' overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to you or to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, 
so that you through his poverty might become rich. Now what is going on here is as Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, he is lifting up an example of an offering that's been taken by the churches in Macedonia. And these churches would have included some popular names like you might see in your Bible, uh, the Church of Philippi, which is in Philippians, and, and the Church of Thessalonica, which is in Thessalonians, that we would see written to. And what has transpired is that in that century, the first church that was formed in Jerusalem was made up, um, of course, primarily of Jewish persons. And these persons early on had given a lot of their investment to help one another as they were um, coming on board with their faith. And there was a lot of persecution starting to evolve around the Christian faith. And so they were helping support each other financially. And then a famine hit the area. And so people were just struggling with need and what they just to survive, right? And so Paul, as he's out ministering to Gentile churches... He's sharing this concern that's going on in the first century church. And he's, he's giving them opportunity if they would like to give that they can. And so he's telling the Corinthians about how the Macedonians offered themselves in abundance. Now, as we think about this this morning, I, so I want us to think about, and we're going to look at the Macedonians a little bit more, but I want us to think about Living abundantly, I think, flows out of a couple of key things. Here's the first I would give to you. I believe that living abundantly flows out of a divine relationship. Now, in John chapter 10.10, which I have quoted before since I've been here, but you all know it, but it says this. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and might have it abundantly. That life is ultimately found, Jesus says, in relationship with my Father, God, through me. If you want to find true life, a life that's abundant, you have to start with your relationship with God. There's not a shortcut to it in either way. And folks, the deal is, I don't know about you, but I find there are lots of distractions in life. Anybody finding that true? I mean, there are all kinds of things that are raising its hand, trying to get us to look at this, look at that, and we chase after them. And how many of those things that we chase after bring full life? Oftentimes, not a lot. We chase them, and not to say they're not even good things, but if they don't flow out of the right source of where they're coming from, they will end up being empty. And so there's all kinds of things in the world that try to distract us from the main thing that will bring life which ultimately is in our relationship with Christ. So if that is getting neglected, we're going to struggle with living a life full of abundance around us. The Philippian Sea had found this because Paul writes, he says, they gave themselves first to the Lord. They were giving out of their relationship that they were experiencing with God that drove them to say, this is why we're going to go do this. It's not because I have to. It's not because I'm expected to. It's not because somebody's telling me to. It's because God, I believe this is what God's spirit in me is flowing through me because I've experienced God's incredible love. That's why I think abundance has to start in growing and knowing you are loved by God. So let me ask you, right now sitting here, do you know you're loved by God? Do you know it? In your bones, do you know it? You know, when I was, um, I grew up in the church, came to faith in my junior high years, um, went to Christian college, studied religion, went on to seminary. But can I tell you that in my 20s, it really started to resonate with me that my walk with Jesus was far more about what I felt I needed to do than it was about knowing I was loved for just who I was. That was hard. And it's still I still have to wrestle with that to some extent. But I was so much about what I got to create as opposed to letting God fill me. It changes the equation. We know that we're loved. So here's the thing. I, I want to envision, invite you, as we think about this, to daily 
Get yourself full of the love of God. Now, here's an image I give to you. A, I don't know if any of you are like this, but I'm a faucet drinker, okay? What I mean is in the kitchen, you know, there's a faucet, you know, in your sink, and I like to go under the faucet. Any of you, anybody out there cringing because your spouse does that or your, your significant other, right? And um, my wife hates it. And I'm like, big deal. I got my, you know, I'm not touching it. And if I do, water's coming out. It's going to wash it off anyway. So it doesn't matter. Um, so, or, you know, maybe better image for you is if you grew up on a farm having a hose, you know, you're drinking. But I want you just in the morning or sometime during your day, I want you to fill up on the love of Jesus. That you just envision yourself sitting under Jesus and letting Jesus just say, let him pour his love into you. Make a receptacle for him to pour his love in and know you are loved and special and precious. And, and as you let him flow into you, it may also, along with that, maybe it's just envisioning him embracing you. Just giving it, ooh, I love you so much. I mean, any of you parents do that with your kids? I mean, you're sending them off for the day and you go, ooh, I love you. Now, there's days you're like, I love you, but, you know, um, but I love you. I mean, there's just that sense, I know I'm enough right now. That's where that abundance, folks, is going to flow out of when we know that. Now, I think also along with this divine relationship is then, but we really need to develop space where we're inviting God into our daily lives. That's why I said that imagery of letting God fill you but making time for God to show up. Because folks, I don't know about you, but I can get run into my day thinking it's so important that I gotta go do this, this, and this, or get that done, that done, and I run out of my own energy, and life will end up being empty. But if I will take the time to let God fill me up, and I need to make that space, it's not about doing something for God, it's about letting God fill you up so that there's something to flow out of you when you go forth. Folks, I have found sometimes, I've gone out into the world, and I do some amazing things in my own eyes. And then I look back at the fruit and go, there's nothing. And then I, some days, walk out, and I maybe feel the love of God there, but I don't do anything significant, and somebody's life gets touched and changed. It wasn't me. It's because of the outflow of God's spirit flowing through us. We were receptacle full and letting God flow. I, I think it's different. And so I think we need to, to do that. Paul, or, or the psalmist wrote this in Psalms 37, 4. He said, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight in the Lord. Spend time just loving and letting God love on you. That's where the source of abundance will flow forth from. Now, so living abundantly flows out of first this divine relationship, but then in relationship to that, this is the second key point of this. It flows out of a surrendered life. Because it's so important that we've got to be a willing receptacle to let it flow through us. This is where we're giving God permission to say, I want whatever you want to do in and through me, I want you to do it. I'm going to give up my will to let you do it through me. This is where the Philippians, I think, were really in this sense. Because as they were with the Spirit, they were moved by God's Spirit, and they, they hear about this offering, and they're, they're, they're loving on God, and then all of a sudden, in the midst of it, they just feel this like, wow, God wants us to give. And they come to Paul, and they said, how do we give? How do we give to this cause? Now, I want you to understand something that's really important that it was not an easy give for these particular persons. And so it's really important for us as we're giving our gifts that we're really thinking about this whole idea of being surrendered. And it was a hard thing for them to give. And, but it's really important that as we are uh, listening in the Holy Spirit, we're listening for the flow, we're listening for the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Where is God calling me to give? Where is God calling me to participate? Where is God wanting to use me in my everyday world? So let me offer to you a couple of things that I think, they're on your card, but I want to offer them that I think these are places that God calls us to surrender to us. It, 
So as we're, we're laying down, we first of all are wanting to lay down our resources. We lay down our resources before God and say, Lord, here's what you've given me. How do you want to use it to build your kingdom? I want to be available. Now, can I ask you a question, y'all? How many of it is, is it scary for you to lay down your resources before God to say, God, what do you want to do with what I got? Does that cause anybody any angst? Like if I really offer God my bank account, what God might ask me to do with it? So it's like, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to have that conversation with God because I'm afraid what God might actually say. And what does that say when we're in that position, right? What does that say about our trust in God? What does it say that we're afraid of? And so we just don't have the conversation because we just might want to avoid it. But I believe that's what these Philippians did, which is amazing. I mean, here they are. I mean, what we know about the Philippian church or the Macedonians is that they were poor themselves. In fact, they, when the Romans had come into Macedonia, they had robbed the wealth of that area. So here's this church in Jerusalem that's struggling financially, and you've got the Macedonians saying, well, we don't have any money either. And yet Paul says, this church is struggling. And so as he shares this, God starts to move in their hearts, and because they're surrendered, they say, they come to Paul, and they, in fact, they don't just come to Paul, they plead with Paul. They say, Paul, how can we help these people out? And Paul says, you can make a contribution. And so they decide to raise funds. And they raise, it says, more than anything Paul ever expected. They gave more than was, it would seem feasibly reasonable they could do. Not because they were compelled to by someone. Not because they were told. Not because they were guilted. But because the Holy Spirit prompted them to live that. And look at how it built out the kingdom. Because they gave, then Paul now is testifying to the Corinthians. He says, let me tell you how the move of God has now prompted these people. That's now just as an example for this Corinthian people as well. I think it's really important for us that when we offer. See, this is where when we start to pray and we start to lay things before God. We start to get a picture of our heart. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said these words. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When I start to pray and I start to surrender and I go, whoa, that's hard for me to surrender. Then it's an, it, that becomes a conversation, doesn't it, for me and God. Why do I struggle so much with this and surrendering it to you? Do I trust in it more? Do I trust in you more? Am I really wanting to be committed to you? I mean, it, it really starts to open up, where am I in my walk with God? Not that God's calling us to give up everything necessarily or any of that. It's just the fact that it raises the question for us, where is our heart really? I was uh, this week reading um, a devotional that was sent from uh, a, con a connection of mine, and he had gotten um, this devotional from another individual, and so he had shared it. And it was, this, this man was sharing his story about how he was in a small group. And he and his wife were both in the group, and they would meet weekly with their, their team, and with their persons. And at the end, like we do here at Aldersgate in many of our small groups or Sunday school classes, there's a time of taking concerns. What are we praying for? And uh, they were praying, and so this one couple said, well, we're, we pray for provision. Now, they didn't go into detail. They didn't say any more. And, and they asked this for several weeks in their small group. And so as this one guy was reflecting on it, he said, in my prayer time, I just really sensed God was telling me, you need to go out and you need to text your wife to, while she's going to the grocery store today, to pick up $100 worth of groceries. So um, this guy um, texted his wife and she said, well, actually, I went to the grocery store and when I went, I got the groceries. I actually got $100 worth. I felt the same thing. But then when I took him out to the car, I looked at it and thought, man, there's not much there. So she said, I went back in and bought another $100 worth. So they then brought that trunk load of, of food to the home of this individual and his wife. And, this, and they said, they went up to the door and said, we don't want to embarrass you. We just felt God has really called us to do this and just wanted to bring this by. And so he took them out to the trunk. They opened it up and there was this food. And you could tell the couple was moved. And so they told their kids, hey, come out here, get the food, put it in. And then they invited the couple in to their home. And when they got in the home, they shared their story. They said, you know, for the last couple of weeks, 
you know, we've really been struggling. We've, we've just, some things have not worked out with our work and said that um, we've been to the food pantries and we've exhausted what we can do there. And uh, they opened up their cupboard and they literally had one small bag of rice left. And they said, this is what we have for the week. Because an individual was surrendered and in the flow, it allowed God's Holy Spirit. Now, do you think their life, do you think that couple who received that gift's heart was not full? That God loves us enough that he sent these folk? Or what about the people who gave how their hearts were full? Because they knew they'd been in the, they'd, not so much about what they'd been able to give, but because they knew they'd been in step with the Lord. That's that whole flowing in abundance with our resources, right? Paying attention to the nudges. Also, it's, I believe it's not only just our resources, but also our abilities, our talents, and our passions. What are your talents? What are your abilities that God has given to you? I really hope you'll take a moment and just jot it down. Even if on that card, even if you don't want to hand it in today, take a moment. What has God talented you with or gifted you with in your abilities? What do you have? What, what have you got? And you don't have to be the best at it. You may not even consider yourself very good at it, but it is a passion. It is something you have. And are we willing to say, Lord, how do you want to use that to grow and expand your kingdom? How can you use my gift, my ability to do that? And I would invite you, as you offer that, then to listen for how the Holy Spirit is nudging or moving you to use that gift, that ability. Also, time. Our time, how am I using my time to sow abundance? So, when, you know, all of us have 24 hours. All of us have lots of time. But what does God want me to be doing in my time to help fill this tank? And God, I want in my day, I want to be mindful of where are you wanting to speak or minister into the lives of someone else? Where God may be calling you to stand with somebody. Where am I going to give my time? Maybe it's in service in some capacity. This could be as you're walking through the day, you know, you're just praying for people. You know, you, you're at your baseball practice and you've got friends there and all of a sudden God just kind of nudges you about somebody pray for your, to pray for them and you do that. Or maybe it's somebody you see that's like Daniel was sharing in his story. Somebody that feels like, wow, that's somebody I feel like God's wanting me to have a relationship with that I'll make the time. I know for me, there's an individual in my neighborhood that God is prompting me about that I need to make time in this year for. Relationships. We think about our relationships that were abundance. How are we letting that flow? How am I helping those around me know that they're loved by God? What relationships has God placed around you with your children, your grandchildren, your parents, your students? God, how are you wanting me to build, use my gifts, use who I am to build your kingdom? That doesn't mean we have to go out and preach to people. But it does say that I want to go stand with these folk in a way that lets them know that God loves them. And if God opens up a conversation to the, if, if they've never encountered Christ, then we know that Christ has come to meet them in their place. That's what the Philippians did. They pleaded for the opportunity to give that they might invest in the people and the lives around them. So folks, here's the deal. I just want to encourage us in these times, you know, we go through our year and life happens. And I realize these should be conversations we're having with God ongoingly, but I just want to encourage you today. This is kind of a moment to stop and to reflect. What has God given me? God, I want to align myself to get into the flow. And then, Lord, I want to use what you've given me to expand your kingdom. And how is God inviting you into that? So, you know, on your card, you know, this morning you've been instructed how you might do that. But I would really encourage you, whether you handed it or not, to take a moment and listen for what God is speaking to you about. And allow God and offer it unto God as your way of saying, Lord, I just want to be available. You've given me so much. May I be in the flow of your abundance to bless our world, to bless those who need to be blessed and loved and touched with your grace.
Christ. 